Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post game show after game 32 of the season, a 5 1 victory over the Ottawa Senators, and a game that, for a lot of reasons, I would call refreshing. And let's get into those reasons. Here's the first reason that it's refreshing. It's the bounce back that we see in the second period. Because if you know my takes on this in the past, and this is something that I clashed for a long time with fans. A lot of fans like to call me negative because I would harp on Jets wins. Um, I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated throughout that entire process. And over the last number of years, I feel vindicated by this new philosophy of the Jets that is working so good and by Rick Bonus. And so tonight, what I saw in that first period was a little bit of a dip, a little bit of a dip back to the Jets old style ways. They get pumped in shots by an inferior team, but they go out and they've got a goal in their first two shots. Uh, I think they had two goals, uh, or I think it was three goals by their 11th shot or something like that. So the Jets are pouncing all over this team on the opportunities they get. But in the meantime, kind of getting pumped on the back end. And yeah, they're not allowing the goals in, but I've said this once. I've said it a hundred times. This is not a sustainable style. This is not a style that the Jets have been practicing. It's refreshing, though, Because the Jets came out, and I think what we've seen from the Jets in the past is that when they do come out and have these games when they're playing an inferior opponent, but they jump on them with their opportunism, it seems like the Jets lay back even further. And that's when you get these games where there's these ridiculously imbalanced score clocks, and the Jets still usually win, and a lot of times they'll blow those victories, but they'll pull it out of the fire in the end, and it's all a lot of fun, and everyone pats themselves on the back or used to, and that was a great job done. Not anymore. The Jets corrected things. That's what I saw in the second period. They came out and they said, this is our puck. You're not getting it back. And that's what they did uh, to the Ottawa Senators, I thought, for the better part of the second period. Um, Third period, I think, was a little bit of a pushback by the Ottawa Senators. So one way of looking at this is the Ottawa Senators, you know, carried too much of the play in the first period. In the third period, what I saw, my take on it, is the Jets reverting to that old style, going into the dressing room, have a coach come in and be like, yeah, guys, I'm not okay with this. Let's get back to what we do. Let's get back to the Rick Bonus blueprint. That's what we saw. That's how this game got run up to five goals and put out of question uh, in in this situation here tonight. And then after that, I'll, I'll go in the direction of the, you know, it's getting close to Christmas break. This team is beat up beat up. Uh, They're tired. They're just trying to get through to the Christmas break to get a little bit of rest here. Um, So I'm not saying that I think the third period is a great third period. I think it's an understandable third period that they go and they get outshot again, that the, uh, that the Ottawa centers were able to kind of stack the score clock up and end up getting a whole lot of shots. But I can tell you this after the game, ask Rick bonus about it. And what was his response? It wasn't, you know, we stayed in the fight. It wasn't gosh, golly, darn gee, you know, we really pulled that one out. It was, we didn't like the first period. And I love the, we, Because this tells me something. At the beginning of the year when the Jets would have these periods or these games, Rick Bonus would come out and say, I didn't like this game. Now he comes out and he says, we. And I think what that means is everyone's on the same page. I think he walks into that dressing room after the first intermission. And I don't think the Jets are slapping themselves on the back. I don't think they're looking around the room saying, yeah, this is going to be a cakewalk here tonight, boys. I think they see the coach walk in and they say, yep, you're right. 
You don't need to say it. We'll be better in the second. And they come out and they're better in the second. And that's how you build a winning culture. That's how you build a winning game plan. And I'll say this. Despite the fact that the Jets didn't have their best on this night, I think of this like the Vancouver Canucks game I said on that podcast afterwards. I want the Jets to do that to a team that's inferior in the standings because I want that team rolling in here the next time they play the Winnipeg Jets thinking, man, these guys beat our ass last game and and thinking, I hope that doesn't happen again. I said it last time. I'm going to say it this time again. I think what the Jets did to the Vancouver Canucks the other night puts the Jets in a mindset where the next time those two teams play, I would be blown away if the Vancouver Canucks won that game. I'm going to say the same thing about this Ottawa Senators team, and I can tell you this. Because we have to split assignments, Kenny went. He took the Jets room, so he'll give you some insight into what the players in the Jets room were saying. I went and I talked to the Ottawa Senators, and the Ottawa Senators in that game weren't saying, yeah, these guys got lucky. They were opportunistic. They did say that. They said those guys are good. They'll score on the chances they get. But the Ottawa Senators said they got whooped tonight, and they did. There was a far superior team out there. I said it uh, a couple games ago. I think the Winnipeg Jets, and specifically the Winnipeg Jets playing the Rick Bonus style of hockey, break bad teams. And I think they broke the Ottawa Center tonight. I will get into why I think they are breaking teams like that as we go forward. But we haven't heard from our main man, Kenny, yet. And we all know you can't wait to talk to him. So let's bring my main man in here, the guy with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, I'm going to be honest, uh, like a lot of the people that I'm seeing in the chat room, I'm almost surprised that you made the show here after your performance at the Kenny and Rennie Christmas party the other night. People went deep on that night. That was a heck of a fun party. Uh, It was an absolutely great time. It was so good to meet so many of the people out. Full house, sold out. I know there was something uh, that was said uh, during the the podcast because a lot of people had to to head home before it was all said and done. So they stayed and watched the game, had the awesome party, tried uh, some of the Trans-Canada Brewing beers, had every kind of pizza they had there, which was absolutely outstanding and went out of there. Uh, We're going to have some events. I think we're trying to get one on a 1 o'clock game so that we can kind of be hitting prime time right around the time the game ends. That's going to be great. But, uh, Ken, before we get to the game, uh, just give me your assessment of the first inaugural Kenny and Rennie live party. Yeah, Sean, I mean, uh, awesome. Uh, it just was blown away. I mean, it was nice that we had kind of a day of rest, I think, on Monday uh, with no you know, no activities, no practices to attend. And uh, I just found myself so thankful. I mean, we've used the word gratitude a ton this year uh, in the last couple of years. Just very proud to see the reaction and the response by the folks who packed TransCanada Brewing Company. I uh, thought it was a great and festive atmosphere. And just uh, found my, caught myself looking around the building and uh, just seeing how special it was to kind of 
see people come together and uh, enjoy watching their team, enjoy sharing some, uh, you know, some conversations. And uh, I love the interaction, Sean. I mean, we know the room was a little bit snug. And what I love most, uh, you know, we talk all the time about the secret sauce being the the chat room and and what people bring to the, you know, to the table. Uh, I love the fact that people who didn't know one another other than maybe their YouTube screen name uh, looked at an open table and said, hey, do you mind if I sit down here and, and watch the game with you and and raise a glass and have some pizza? And uh, I loved it. Uh, it was awesome to see, uh, you know, uh, Will and Emma did a great job of getting the place ready. I thought, you know, it was just fantastic to see. And uh, I was kind of oozing with pride. And uh, I know we shared, a, a, you know, some chat about that afterward and it just uh, it was an awesome way to start uh, what we believe has been a you know really great relationship with the good folks at TCB and uh, I love the interaction with the people and you know it was just a super fun night great to see some friends great to meet some new friends and uh, great to have that spirited debate and uh, between yourself Scotty and myself and uh, you know it was a great I love the the reaction to the takes and all of that other stuff uh, it was just a really proud moment, and Sean, I mean, when we started the show, you know, three seasons ago, or whatever you want to call it, two and a half years ago, uh, our premise was you and I were sitting at the wood and having a lively sports discussion, and we had an opportunity to do that with, you know, 40, roughly 40 plus people, and I thought it was just awesome. Uh, I loved the the response from the folks, and I think it was just a fantastic uh like the Jets trying to set the foundation for us, Sean, that was us trying to set the foundation for, you know, both the relationship with the, the folks that are watching and listening and, uh, you know, with one of our great sponsors. And uh, I couldn't be more proud uh, of what transpired on Sunday night, that's for sure. Well, I'll tell you something, Ken. People tell me I have selective hearing, and I'm not sure if that's true, but all I heard were cheers for Rennie at the event. It seemed that is like selective hearing, yes. Of the yes, entire exactly. crowd, no <laughs> doubt about that. I will say I do feel vindicated in the big argument that we had on that with the comments from Rick Bonus today. I feel extremely vindicated to the I love this one. Scotty's Scott, not here. We're not getting Scotty, into that right now. But. Scotty gave me the finger after I gave him the look when Rick Bonus was asked about Billy Hanlon if he was going to be getting a string of games. And his response was, he'll decide that basically he needs to perform to stay in, which was the whole thing about the debate. And I looked at Scott and gave him a smile as he was handing me the microphone. And he gave me the finger. Suffice it to say, all those boos that I heard out there, T. Will being one of them. Uh, there is an apology in Rennie's future coming from you guys. And there has to be after something like that. Um, first off, before we get going, you're looking sharp as usual, Ken. I'm knowing that that's a Frankie special. I'm it debuting is. a Frankie special from the boys at Vittorio Rossi here tonight. A green suit. I'm pulling off a green suit. I, I, I should be giving like really nasty takes because I'm dressed in the green Grinch tonight, but boy, oh boy, look at the detailing. On Don't this. act All like right. a Grinch today. I'm going to, I'm going to warn you right away. Okay. okay. You can shut don't it down. Like a Grinch. Don't let, don't uh, act like a Grinch. I look too good to be upset about anything because of Frankie and the boys of Vittorio Rossi. And if you want to look good like Kenny and Rennie, make sure you go see Frank and the boys down on Corden Avenue at Vittorio Rossi. Tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you. They know how to make you look like a million bucks. Uh, and it doesn't take a million bucks to look like this. I'll tell you that much. Love the boys down at Vittorio Rossi. Thank you so much, Frankie. Ken, you've waited long enough. Give me your takes on this game. Yeah, I mean, 
the buffet is uh, you know fully stocked here. I think it was uh, it's an interesting tilt on a lot of fronts. Um, I, I'm with you. I mean, the Jets were kind of sleepwalking a little bit in the first period, and it's not super surprising. I mean, the team comes home after back to backs and whatever else that it happens on occasion. But I like the fact that they didn't stay in that mode. They got out of the kind of lackadaisical mode or whatever you want to call it. way to find an extra gear. As you mentioned, they needed one and they found it. And that's when they pulled away from their opponent. I'm with you. I also love the fact that Rick went in after the first period and said, hey, this isn't good enough. Don't be fooled by the scoreboard because the Jets were outplayed in the first period. And, you know, kind of fortunate in some ways that uh, David Riddick was sharp out of the gate. And yes, the Jets were opportunistic early. Uh, There's no doubt about that. This was not a good effort from Cam Talbot by any stretch, especially in that first period. Um, we saw all-star version of Cam Talbot, uh, you know, last season when he was with the Minnesota Wild. This trade has not uh, not transpired overly well for him so far, and I'm not blaming Cam Talbot for where the Ottawa Senators are, Sean. But the difference between having average to below average goaltending and having elite level goaltending is very evident. Right, I mean, the the Senators, if they had some goaltending in the first period, they would not have been losing the hockey game. So, you know, goaltender has to take care of his share of the responsibility and the blame. Uh, I didn't find Talbot to be overly sharp. And no, and I'm not blaming him for the slap shot goal by Josh Morrissey. Perfect screen by Sam Gagne. I just thought he had a little bit of trouble with his rebound control. Uh, and he just looked a little bit shaky at times to me. So, and the other big part of that too, Sean, I mean, Brady Kachuk is a great player. Brady Kachuk did not have his A game this evening. He was barely noticeable in the hockey game. And yes, the Jets did their part to make that happen. But to me, you know, that's their leader. All we heard about uh, in the Senators' room this morning was how great a leader Brady is. And Brady didn't get a whole lot accomplished today. And nah. in, in my opinion, I didn't think he, he had a much happy. jump. He wasn't involved off. He wasn't involved offensively. He wasn't involved physically, and with when it comes to Brady, you usually see both of those things, not just one or the other. And today we saw neither. Uh, but in terms of the Jets, I love the fourth line contribution, Sean. We're going to dig dig deeper into that um, as we move along here. But I love the response of Axel Janssen Fialbi uh, from coming out of the out of the press box. I'm going to dig into him a little bit more. I got plenty to say about what he has been able to do since coming back into the lineup. Kevin Stenland continues to push. David Gustafson was challenged to produce more offense by his head coach. And, man, what a pass that he made to Stenland for the um, first chance before the batting out of the air. Uh, David Riddick, I thought, Sean, fantastic. Uh, we we talked about him in our postgame hit for Sportsnet. Uh, I thought Riddick was very sharp and good on him. You know what? He's been putting in a ton of work in terms of trying to get ready and get into a rhythm. And lo and behold, when Connor Hellbuck is unavailable um, because of an illness, but he will be on this next road trip, for those who didn't see the postgame comments from Rick Bonus, Hellebuck will be on the plane tomorrow. Uh, I expect he'd start one of the two games for sure. Uh, I, I don't think they would run him back-to-back coming out of, an, out of an illness, and especially because the Jets are playing the Minnesota. If the Jets had an Eastern Conference game, Sean, coming out of the break, I could see Connor Hellebuck rolling with both games. 
Thursday and Friday. But in this case, I think it's better for him to just get into the one game and then be get himself ready to play against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, in terms of the defense, I thought the Jets were overall steady. Um, I love the fact that as the game went on, uh, Rick Bonus and Scott O'Neill decided to go with Vili Hanala and Brendan Dillon and put Dylan Sandberg back with Neil Pionk. I thought that that change to the pairings was a smart move as the game moved along. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we move along as well. And we talk about him every single night and deservedly so. Josh Morrissey, just another um, absolutely oh fantastic effort. Uh, beautiful goal for his sixth of the year. Uh, an unbelievable pass for his 32nd assist of the season. The guy already has set a career high for points with 38 in only his 32nd game of the year. 50 games to go, Sean, and he's already, every time he gets a point, he's going to pad those stats. His skating work was outstanding again this evening. Uh, Man, he's just been absolutely fantastic this year, and he is the one leading the way uh, right now offensively. And we'll dig into Kyle Connor as we move along here too, Sean. But well, uh, let's let's give ourselves some excuses to get in there. What's your lamplighter of the night, my man? Yeah, I mean, sorry, I touched on it. Uh, uh, that, that's our little tease. Uh, that's our, after the commercial break here. We're going with Kyle Connor um, finishing off just a beautiful slap pass from Josh Morrissey. That's the second time he's been able to convert one in the last two games. Matt, what a just a fabulous read by Josh Morrissey. Really nice play overall, and it's funny. Uh, Jansen Harkins made a smart play to kind of delay, but then the puck kind of fell off his stick, but it went, still got back to Dylan DeMello. He gets it across to Morrissey. He finds Kyle Connor in a quiet zone and just an absolutely wide open net. And just like that, Sean, remember when Kyle Connor had two goals in 13 games? Well, he's up to 15 on the season. Only one member of the Jets has more goals than Kyle Connor, and that's Mark Scheifele at 19. 10-game point streaks for Josh Morrissey and Kyle Connor, and that connection uh, is my lamplighter of the game brought to you by the good folks at uh, TransCanada Brewing Company. I'm going to tell you, I agree wholeheartedly with Beermy. Lamplighter has to be Morrissey's Savardian Spinorama. Listen, the way he Impressive. is walking the line this year, and that is what really, really good defensemen do. I didn't know that Josh Morrissey, for the most part, had this in his arsenal. I knew he could do it here or there. But, the, I mean, think of the way that Kale McCarr skates that line and walks that line. I don't think anyone in the league does it better than him. And I still don't think Josh Morrissey does it better than him. But Josh Morrissey went from being a player that I wasn't sure how much of that he had in his toolkit to a guy who looks like he's one of the best in the league with that in the toolkit at this stage right now. And that move that he makes to get like when, when, when a team, okay. A lot of times when you find a guy wide open and have a whole bunch of time to load up on a shot, it will come off a turnover, right, Ken? Because when you turn the puck over, everyone defensively gets caught in the wrong spot, and then you just don't have your gaps right. Everybody's off a little bit. But if a team is set up and ready to defend against you, and all of a sudden a guy has a wide open lane and all the time in the world, it means someone beat the heck out of someone else out there. And that's the subtlety of that play. Josh Morrissey just absolutely beats his man to give himself so much time. It's Batherson, a good player. 
in his own right. And he just walks down Broadway and give the rest of the Jets credit as they see him coming and set up the screen. But Josh Morrissey, uh, we know he's been more assists this year than goals. But when you give an opportunity like that, he's not going to miss it. Put it right where it needed to go. Ten straight games with a point. It is sickening to the rest of the league what he is doing right now. And it's funny, Ken, because we talked about this earlier on. Uh, Eric Carlson was looking like he was running away with the scoring race as defenseman. And all of a sudden, Josh Morrissey is not that far behind him. And when you take the fact that Josh Morrissey is leading the way on one of the best teams in the league, you have to take that into consideration. You have to take his defensive game into consideration, which I don't think there's a question. He's a better defensive defenseman than Eric Carlson. And now the fact that he's getting up there and challenging in points, to me, at this stage, you know, it started out feeling like a bit of a campaign, right? Josh Norrissey, it was Jets fans saying, hey, pay attention to this guy. I don't think it's a campaign anymore. I think it's starting to be his to lose. I mean, Rasmus Dahlin is in there. I still don't think Dahlin has has the uh, defensive acumen that Josh Morrissey has. Uh, again, he's not on a team that is driving as hard as the Winnipeg Jets are. Uh, you've got to give him credit. He's a young defenseman. Looks like he's going to put himself in a position to be a guy to win that in the future. Who knows? Maybe he'll turn it up and he'll win it this year. This year is the future after all. But right now, to me, Josh Morrissey has moved into the lead uh, in the Norris Trophy voting, uh, and I have no problem saying that at all. Uh, I know when you are in a market and you see a guy a lot, it can be a homer take to say something like that. I don't think it's a homer take. I think people here know that when when uh, it, that I have no problem being hard on the Jets. I think I've made that clear over my time on this podcast and in my coverage. I feel like I uh, you know call things as it is. To me, right now, Josh Morrissey is the preeminent defenseman in the NHL this season, uh, and if he continues how he's going right now, it's going to be hard to wrest that award from his ass. I was just thinking this the other day. Remember, Ken, it was a debate, and it was always kind of the idea that Josh Morrissey would maybe potentially get on a, a, in a best-on-best best tournament on Team Canada's defense corps. Is there any question right now that Josh Morrissey would be on Team Canada if there was a best-on-best best tournament right now? There not is no question. question. No, not, a not even close for me. And... He he's got. Sorry, let me just finish this out here. He's got the lamplighter of the game. And if you can't, uh, or if you want in on the ability to win some frosty lamplighter amber ale from Trans Canada Brewing Company, all you have to do is leave us your lamplighter of the game, aka your goal of the game, uh, and you are automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious eight pack of lamplighter amber ale. If you can't wait for that to happen and you just got to go get it for your own head on down to transcanner brewing company join them in their tap room at 11290 keniston avenue ken i think you're coming with us our camera guys and johnny lou from tsn freddie missalot check their camera person gonna go get some pizza tomorrow uh, and go visit the great people at transcanner brewing company because you know what i didn't get nearly enough of that pizza i think every time i grabbed one t will slapped it out of my hand and ran to the other side of the room with it so uh, i didn't get enough uh, I need more. Thanks for that, T. Will. Uh, you're lucky I'm a gracious host, buddy boy. That's all I got to say. But yeah, uh, and let's announce it. The winner of the Frosty Delicious 8-pack from the last show where we had, I think, the most ever entries ever. Mm-hmm. And I guess that makes sense because it was that show, uh, the live show. But Beer League with the two E's in the middle being threes. B- B33R, Beer League, has won the award. I see uh, he or she 
in the chat room all the time. You are officially on the clock. You've got until the, before the game Thursday to direct message me at, at SN Sean Reynolds. Let me know your real name. Uh, if it's not Beer League, and I don't think it is, let me know your full name and your email address. I will send you a voucher for a frosty, delicious eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale. Uh, congratulations, Beer League. And Ken, it's confirmed. Ask the people who are at the party in the chat room. The, the Lamplighter is both frosty and delicious. Uh, you want in on that Beer League. Don't mess that up. Kenny, uh, your dig deeper play of the game by the John... Or, sorry, excuse me, the got you covered play of the game by Johnson Group. Yeah, you know what? For me, it's going to be the first forecheck by Axel Janssen Fialbi. I already mentioned the great pass by David Gustafson to find Kevin Stenland in front of the net for his first goal as a member of the Winnipeg Jets after batting it out of the air. Uh, that was a really good play, but I'm going to pivot on the fly. It's the forecheck by Axel Janssen Fialbi on the Kyle Connor goal. Axel mm. Janssen Fialbi makes just an awesome play along the boards. Basically, you know, almost dives, no, not, he stayed on his feet, but he just made a great extension to get the puck down low below the goal line to Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Dubois just makes a sensational backhand pass. Uh, so for me, those are two excellent plays that have walked me right into the third one. Uh, what I wanted to talk about this, but this is a perfect time to do it. There was a play on the back check. I love those two plays offensively, Sean. They both led to assists for Axel Janssen Fialbi, but his most important play of the game to me, and I'll tell you why in a moment. He was the he was the chaser on a two-on-one that the Senators had in the second period, I want to say. And he hustled, and he didn't have to break up the play, but he ensured that his guy was not an option to get the puck over to. So for me, you know why that's important, Sean? Because in the game against the Washington Capitals, he was late on the back check. He started gliding. Not only did Lars Eller get the puck, but he got across the crease and banged home his rebound. And he banged the stick on the on the post. And the next two nights, he found himself in the press box. So for me, Axel Janssen's Fialbi to not only chip in offensively, but to immediately learn from a mistake that he made in a game three games earlier... To me, that's that that's my we've got you covered play of the game. I know I mentioned three of them, but the most important one for him in terms of showing the coaches that he learned from his mistake is the extra effort on the back check to prevent a scoring chance. So for me, that's my we've got you covered play of the game uh, brought to you by the good folks at the Johnston Group. Awesome stuff. And uh, hey, uh, the Johnston Group, you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find... 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan employee benefits proudly administered by our good friends, the Kenny and Rennie OGs at the Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and Teladoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. And Ken, I, I got to say this, just, uh, you know, I listen to, we're hard rock guys, right? So I listen to 92 a lot, and I know that 92 is associating with the Johnson Group right now for some charitable initiatives uh, in the Christmas season. And I just got to say, uh, the, I love our sponsors um, because one of the things we do, 
we I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but we're we screen pretty good and we're pretty picky with the people that we choose to associate ourselves with. And uh, boy, the folks at Johnson Group uh, are a one since the very beginning. You've got a personal re- relationship uh, with some of the guys there. But uh, when I hear that stuff and I hear what they're doing in the community and I hear what they're doing in the city of Winnipeg and how proud they are of being a Winnipeg-based business, I am so, so proud to be associated with them. Uh, the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnson Group, got to absolutely love those guys. Um, hey, let's have a little bit of fun before we get too far into things here. Let's take on the Mark Mathot, uh co- comments. We, we got to handle it, right? Ottawa was in town, a little bit of a firestorm over Jets. Uh, excuse me, the Ottawa Senators, former defenseman Mark Mathot, who does a little bit of, uh, of TV, I think, for TSN now on some of their local broadcasts, took a shot at downtown Winnipeg uh, and the Fairmont uh, criticizing <laughs> Staticky sheets. That's that's a new one. I haven't heard that one before. Paper thin walls. I guess you know paper thin wall. I, I'll say this. I, you know, when I go down and stay in a certain hotel, uh, when I'm in Minneapolis, it's a pretty cold room that I'm going in there. So maybe I kind of know what he's talking about. I haven't stayed in the Fairmont in the middle of the winter time. time but uh, what's your take? Uh, I don't have much of a take. I mean, Mark Mathot played in the NHL for a long time. I mean, I can understand if it wasn't his favorite stop. Uh, what I didn't understand is that Mark Mathot wasn't even in Winnipeg at the time he made the commentary. I mean, he definitely has entitled more than entitled to his opinion. Uh, I think the take about the restaurants, obviously, is a poor one. Uh, we are blessed in the city to have a ton of great downtown options. Uh, I, you know, I didn't find that take to be great in terms of you know hotels around the NHL. Is it a five-star hotel or one of the best in the league? No, but um, you know, guess what? It's cold in Winnipeg. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it's not when it's minus 22 outside, it's easy to throw stones. I understand that fully and completely. Uh, as someone who's a proud Manitoban, I mean, I didn't particularly care for the take. I thought it was a little bit kind of, of a lazy one, but at the same time, he's entitled to his opinion, and I'm sure he's not the only one who feels that way. Uh, but I would, you know, like many other people who, you know, there was some overreacting, there's no doubt about that. But uh, I've got no problem with people, but much like I have no problem with Mark sharing his thoughts and opinions, I also have no issue with people who are from here that are proud to be from here that are more than happy to, you know, provide a little insight for Mark in terms of if he wants to go to a restaurant that's not right down the back lane of the Fairmont in the in highs, if he wants to go somewhere else downtown, uh, there's a lot of options for him in terms of, uh, you know, food options and if he doesn't want to leave the hotel, we'd be more than happy to provide a few suggestions in terms of the uh, good folks that skip the dishes that could return, uh, you know, could bring some food over to his hotel room uh, the next time he rolls into town. But uh, I, I saw the take early, and I was a bit surprised that he said it if he wasn't here. But, uh, you know, hey, we all have days where we want to vent on Twitter, and uh, he decided to vent away. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, Andrew Hammond was in the news yesterday for announcing his retirement, and whether he was just tro- whether he was just trolling or whether he was playing to the crowd. Uh, no matter what, uh, you know, he said. Uh, you know, Mark congratulated him on a great career, and Andrew, you know, who made plenty of trips here, Sean, also yep. in the American Hockey League, uh, as his career went along, uh, said, "I always enjoyed Winnipeg and." Mark responded with a, you know, emoji uh, of laughter. So I'm not sure if that was an inside joke or if it was uh, Andrew Hammond trolling or if he actually genuinely enjoyed Winnipeg. But uh, either way, um, that's kind of all I have to, you know, 
as a staunch defender of the province, I, I certainly, I think he, we, we can help him out on restaurants the next time uh, Mark rolls into town. We'd be happy to send a few suggestions. And, I mean, if you'd like, you could also uh, slide over to TCB, uh, you know, for a beverage and some pizza. That would be another uh, another option for him uh, in terms of uh, taking care of things. Thanks for... Sorry, thanks for covering that, Kenny. There, uh, am I back? Can you hear me? Yes, you are. Yes, you got welcome, me. Okay, uh, okay. B- born, born in the Pinawa Hospital, right near the banks, uh, the lovely banks of the Winnipeg River. Um, grew up in Paradise. I'll always say this: there's an area not far from where we were born that a lot of the First Nation cultures see as their Garden of Eden, uh, right in Whiteshell. Uh, we are more than lucky to grow up where we are uh spent time growing up in lactabani great town again on the water my parents my wife's parents have uh have uh uh, well they've got each houses on the one on the winnipeg river one on the lee river i'm so lucky to call this place home we have a trailer that uh i've said this with my wife and i'll tell people about this um there's like seven places within an hour's drive of the city of Winnipeg that are absolutely amazing and so different in so many different directions. I don't know that there's any major cities out there in North America have the, that have the kind of options that we do to get into those outdoorsy type places. I love uh, this place. I love the access that we have to paradise in so many different directions. Here's what I don't get. I don't get that people care about what other people think. Like, here's the deal. The people uh, who live here, hold on, hold on, hold on. The people who live here, they get it, right? And that's fine. I don't have, I, I, I don't care if Mark Mathot doesn't understand what is good about this place. That's Mark Mathot's loss. And, you know, when people come rolling into town, usually a lot of the criticisms too, like, you know, when the San Jose Sharks came um, and they talked about, like, the Wi-Fi being bad, like, what a ridiculous, silly Thing to make a big deal about. So, th- what I don't understand, to be quite honest, is the furor that comes out of this. Like, why do people get so upset? I get, I get. They're proud. That's why. They're proud. I've got no problem with being proud. Be proud enough to look at someone and be like, "Okay, see you later." Right? Like, that's that's my take on it. Because, sure. like, I mean, it, it, the, and and here's the one thing that I will say. And I and and I, I think people would be better to sit back and be like, okay, it's not your cup of tea, good. It's just more for me, kind of thing, right? But I'll say this: at the beginning of the year, there was an NHL team in town uh, in the preseason, and I went driving downtown. I was heading through, and I had to go through Portage and Maine, and I saw the entire team. I recognize them. The entire team was standing on the concrete barriers at Portage in Maine, waiting for a break in traffic to run across the traffic to get across the street from that new build that they had where the Earls is and try and get over to the Fairmont because I I would assume that they were going to highs or something like that. Listen, that criticism is a warranted criticism. Like, we have chosen as a city through voting action to make it so Portage in Maine is not a friendly place for people to traverse and get across. That's the decision we've made. So this is what I would say about this. I I don't understand why people don't get upset, but when comments are made like that, every once in a while, a little bit of self-reflection to say, hey, people who visit and stay downtown and think that it's weird and it's problematic like that, it's because it is. 
right? Like Portage and Maine is a weird intersection, unlike almost any intersection. And we have chosen through votes and through lack of political action to make it that way. And that's just the, the take I take on that. I, I walk away and I say, Mark Mathot has missed out on a whole bunch of stuff here. But Mark Mathot's also making a point about how easy it is traver to traverse around downtown Winnipeg. And I think that that is a good point. And I think every once in a while, it's okay to look in the mirror and say, he's entirely wrong about this. But he does make a little bit of a point here. What, what outsiders think does matter in the way if you're not making your city welcome to outsiders. If that message is coming across, then maybe that's something you want to look at. But as far as the part about people being like, yeah, I don't want to live in Winnipeg, good. Don't live here. More for me. Less traffic for me to get to all the amazing places to go. That's my take. Yeah, and one just quick tying a bow on this whole subject. Hey, Mark played in Dallas, so I mean, we know Dallas is a tremendous place to, to play, to live, all of those things. But I think the other issue that people have, Sean, and, and you and I both love Ottawa as a city, right? We both love Ottawa as a city. But the Senators don't play in Ottawa. They play like almost like going to play in Portage. So it's not exactly a booming metropolis out around Canada either. So, I mean, if... If the take was coming from, you know, New York City or Florida or California, I think folks might understand a little bit more. But, I mean, I don't know. That, that That's the other part of the take that I think was a little bit uh, maybe off base because oh, uh, yeah. there's tons of people in the – you want to talk about people complaining? Like, there'd be a lot of people in the NHL that don't exactly think it's a optimal scenario to be rolling around uh, out by Canada. But, Sean – we love going to every city in the National Hockey League, you and I, that's for sure. But yeah, let's uh, let's let's dig back into the game here. Don't uh, let Roy Mac bully you out of saying what you want to say. Here, let, let's say it. No, I've Listen, said enough when, on this when I, subject. When I I'm go good. to cover and host Sens games, this is yeah. what my day looks like. You, you stay downtown, you have to drive way out to the arena, and then it, you have this weird choice, right? Because you wrap up in the games at like seven o'clock at night, but you get back to your hotel at seven. But if you want to get back for four o'clock, which is when our, our casting call is for mm -hmm. a seven o'clock game, you have to leave at like one thirty in the afternoon. So there's almost no point in going home because the traffic there is so miserable. So you're right. It is rather rich that someone who played in that environment in one of the least accessible rinks. And now that Glendale's out of the picture in probably the least accessible rink in the NHL would take shots at the Winnipeg situation. Yeah. Okay. If you're staying at the Fairmont, you got to go underground to get there, but then you can get there in less than 20 minutes. It's not taking an hour and a half to two hours of your time to get to a place that no one really wants to go to. So uh, I don't know, maybe we just... Uh, I got some news for you. Head. There's a great pho place that's uh, within a five-minute, you know, in Canada for you Good for the stuff. next time you're in Ottawa. Good stuff. Roy Mack is going to flip a lid if we don't get back to things here. So let's get in, dive in. And before we do that, uh, why don't you give a shout-out to your main man, Sweet Lou? Yeah, you bet. For uh, all the folks that are uh, in the realty market or uh, looking to buy, looking to sell, looking to see what your house is worth, looking to see what a place you may be considering a move to, uh, what might be available in that area, you can contact our pal Lou Furlan at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. You can reach him on cell 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000. It's lou at loufurlan.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N dot C-A. And his website that uh, you could reach him at is www.louferlin.ca. Lou's an incredible realtor, an awesome human being, and a great supporter uh, of the community here as well. And we're thrilled to have him uh, on board. I got to tell you, I, I, I think it has something to do with like the, the kind of like 
the Paul Bunyan-esque mythology that is building in the chat room about lube. Ken, I don't know about you. I'm constantly fighting the urge to like throw taglines for Lou, like, you know what to do. Helping you is what we do. That's yeah, one of, you, that's one of them that they like to helping use. Helping so. you is what we do. You know what to do. Call Lou. How about this one? Want a realtor with magic like Merlin? Do yourself a favor. Call the big guy Lou Ferlin. Huh? What are you working on this? It's, I'm workshopping uh, it's it. It's good. It's I'm good. workshopping it. I don't think I don't think the chat room could do better. I think I got this one. <laughs> hey, and you know what? I'm ready to. I'm already ready to step in and hand out the shovel. Now, do we saw had the sweet shovel? Just so people know, Corey, our main man at home field, had said some people had made some comments. The shovels that we're handing out are the kind that you throw in your trunk, so that if you ever hit the ditch, you've got a shovel to kind of like help you get out of the ditch. They're not long ones you know, designed to shovel your driveway. They're like those emergency things, but they're sweet. They've got home field, dig deeper, and uh, Kenny and Rennie etched into the handle. And uh, I think that we're ready to hand that out. Jeep guy 69, 69, 69, dropped this take way early in the show. He said the Jets have 24 million on IR right now. I love the no excuses, next man up mentality. Most teams would be sinking. Jets are sustaining. Not the prettiest win, but two points indeed. Jeep guy 69, 69, 69. You dug deeper, and we're giving you a tool to dig deeper with the home field shovel. You've won it. We're going to figure out a way to get those to people right away. Sounds like they're going to live at the Trans Canada Brewing Company where you can go pick it up. So if you happen to win both the lamplighter and the shovel, you can go pick them up at the same time. But I would say the same thing to the shovel winners as I would the lampy winners. If you're going to go there, check some, out some of their other beer and do yourself a pay, favor and have that pizza. You talk to anyone in the chat room who was at that party and they will tell you that was wonderful stuff. Can give our boys uh, and ladies at home field a shout out. You bet uh, home field for marketing and more. You could reach them at www.homefield.ca. That's H O M E F I E L D.ca for marketing and more. Digging deep. Uh, our our uh, friends at home field. All right. I know people want to talk about Billy Hanla. Give me your takes on his game. Uh, I thought given the circumstances, Sean, uh, he had not played since December 3rd. I think he was fine. Um, I would share the <laughs> I would share the theory of Rick Bonus when I asked him for his opinion on Vili Hanala. He was either tired of talking or did not have a whole lot to say, and it may have been a little bit of both. His, com- his answer was, he was okay. Yeah, comma, he was okay. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he just said it for effect. If there's anyone who thought that this is not a knock on Vili Hanala, okay is a fine outcome for a guy who had not played any hockey in more than two weeks' time. Uh, it had been, you know, since he suited up in those games, the two games when Dylan Demello was hurt. Uh, I thought he moved the puck efficiently at times. I thought he had one really good scoring chance where he got to the net. There may have been a lane that was available to cut to the front of the net, but Thomas Shabbat's stick was in the lane. And to me, I think if Vili had played, you know, two days ago, I think he cuts to the middle and gets off a good shot there. Uh, I thought his uh, puck handling was fine. I thought he got back and his retrievals were pretty good in terms of knowing that the Senators would be on him in terms of the forecheck. Um, you know, overall, was it flash and dash? No. I mean, the second unit did not get a whole lot of time in terms of power play. Uh, Vili Hanala in the game. 19 shifts for 15-39. 
He had three shot attempts, no shots on goal, one giveaway. He had 56 seconds on the power play. The rest of that time, 14.43 at even strength. Like I said, I I like the fact I would have preferred if the Jets had started Vili Hanela with Brendan Dillon. I had no problem whatsoever with them having him start with Dylan Sandberg, who's a guy who's been his partner before in the American Hockey League with the Manitoba Moose. I just like the situation where you have a little bit more of a veteran with the young player. Uh, I think you have. I think I like the way Dylan Sandberg is playing. I like the way that Dylan Sandberg played last season with Neil Pionk at times. I think that they can all. It's a nice way to help distribute the minutes on the back end. So I'm curious to see if that's how they start. Um, I'm very curious too, Sean. I know you were listening to Rick Bonus this morning when he said, "I have the last change." So, you know, I'm not saying he was, you know, shielding or you know protecting Vili Hanela, uh, but he did have a lot of offensive zone starts, and I'll be very curious to see who he's skating alongside in that game against the Boston Bruins. And I know this is a little bit of a tangent. I know I want you to dig in on your thoughts on Hanela also, but what I loved about Rick Bonus said. What he didn't bother saying, but what you can read completely between the lines when he said we won't get away with that against the, you know, this weekend. Yep. Yep. The Jets are about to play the best team in the NHL in the Boston Bruins, a team that has not lost in regulation on home ice this season. So if their puck management is at the same level it was today on Thursday, the Jets aren't going to be opportunistic and win the game unless they pull a rabbit out of their hat. So I love that other part. The unsaid part of the equation was just as important as what was said, and what was said was entirely accurate. But the Jets can't play loose against the Boston Bruins or they will be almost guaranteed of a loss. So uh, sorry to you know go off on a tangent when it came to Hanela. I want to see Hanela again. I, you know, I think it's up to him if he's going to. And you dig into that part. Um, I th- I still think that, yes, as long as Hanela plays at a suitable level and preferably for him on a higher end level of the scale that he would benefit from a longer run of games to show if he can do it or what he can do in that scenario. But that's completely up to him. And if he doesn't play at that level, he won't be getting that guaranteed run of games while Nate Schmidt and Logan Stanley are on the shelf. But I think this was an important starting point for Villahanela, but it was only the starting point because he has a lot more to give, in my opinion. And I think so, he'll give more now that he has has time. To, you know, he's getting himself back into a rhythm after missing some time. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that, if we go back to the last show and the big debate that we had there, um, uh, to me, it was just the, the, what we were talking about and the idea of getting a run for it. And I... Uh, my understanding from Scott was Scott was saying, you know, this is a first round pick. This is how you treat first round picks. And that's why I brought up Christian Veselainen um, was because I, I don't agree with that. Like, I, I, th- I think that the, the secret sauce, hey, the secret sauce of the Kenny and Rennie show is the chat room. The secret sauce of the Winnipeg Jets this year is that every single person on that team feels like they're a part of this team's success, which is why you can bring up a guy like Kevin Stentlin, who gets into the lineup, hasn't left, gets good things said by his coach, and opens the scoring in a game like this tonight, 
getting assists from the other two fourth liners and David Gustafson and Axel Janssen Fialbi. Everyone ha- thinks they have a piece of the success of this team. And there's a reason for that. They are rewarded for good play. Now, this didn't happen last year. And I, I'd said this, and, and we talked about this, and people who were li- listening at this time last year will have heard me say, I'm not understanding why Christian Veselainen keeps getting the chances he gets over and over and over again. And I'll tell you this. I think you take a look at a way a player like um, uh, like it's perfect in a player like Jansen Harkins, how he played last year where he couldn't get a spot ahead of Christian Veselainen, despite the fact that Christian Veselainen went out time and time and time and time again and did nothing with the opportunities that were provided with him by the Jets coaching staff from last season. And if, if you're, if you're, Jansen Harkins in that situation, you know, where's the motivation to try and go take that spot? And where's the motivation for Christian Veselainen to make sure that he's at the top of his game if you're not going to get taken out when you're not doing well? Well, this year, it's happening every single time. If you do well, you're, you're, you're getting ice time. And, and sometimes when you're doing well, you'll get pulled out of the lineup, but you'll get pulled out with the condition that you're not doing anything wrong. There's a lot of good players. They need to get their turn, too. You need to be ready to go back in. That doesn't sound like what Scott was saying about Billy Hanla. His suggestion was, Scott, Billy Hanla needs to get in. He needs to be given a certain amount of time, a week's run of games, or six or seven games or something like that, to get his feet under him. Well, the translation that I take from that is that Rick Bonus needs to take and hold this guy above everybody else and say, put a pause on what we're doing here right now with the Winnipeg Jets so we can turn the spotlight on Billy Hanla and provide Billy Hanla with what he needs to do to succeed at the NHL level. That's not the way it should work when you're fighting for the top 0.001% of jobs. That's not the way you carve out a million-dollar career, is having something handed to you that you haven't earned. Rick Bonus, and I knew this would be his answer, and that was his answer this morning, is Billy Hanel is going to determine if he stays in the lineup. And what that means is he needs to see him do well. So from there, like I don't think there's a question here. Billy Hanela has received the message. This is how it's going to go. He's not going to be given opportunities he hasn't earned or opportunities that he doesn't deserve. He's going to have to make sure that he's the guy who earns that spot in order to stay in that spot. Now, did he earn it tonight? I take a look at this game. There are certain things that I liked about his game. There's going to be one play I think that really stands out uh, to me, and it's going to sound like it shouldn't be a good play. It was a really good play. I think it was Austin Watson ran him over at his own blue line. Did you see that? Yep. So what happens in that situation is the puck is going behind him and Austin Watson is trying to get in on the Winnipeg Jets. Now this alone is a topic that deserves more time to talk about it. But the Jets, from what I've seen, are one of the best teams at running picks this season. Right? If you're trying to get in on the forecheck, you usually have to get past two or three guys, and they don't hold you up. They don't pin you on the boards or anything like that, but they get to your skating lane first, and then they just slow you down. Right? If you're running a, ra- a car race, you know, and there's teams ahead of you, and you're trying to catch the leader, and all of a sudden a car pulls ahead of you and just starts going slow, it slows you down and opens things up for the guy ahead of you. The Jets do that phenomenally. So I thought that was a, that was a, a, a a sign to me that Billy Hanla is getting what the Jets are trying to do and he's taking part. He's doing the little things that make the Jets a better team. That to me shows buy-in to the point that he gets plastered by a much bigger player. 
but he does it because he's doing the right thing. And so while it's a big hit and it kind of looks like a smaller player getting overpowered, maybe that's a bad thing. I don't think the coaches think that's a bad thing at all. I think they thought that was a perfect sign of a guy sacrificing himself for the betterment of the team. That's great. Outside of that, for the most part, I thought he played a fairly quiet game. Again, we've talked about this. I want to see him get into the lineup. And sure, it would be nice to see him dangle and go through everybody and put one top shelf. I don't think that's Billy Hainla. He's going to need to do that a little bit more to get to that stage. So I need him to get comfortable. I thought we saw that for the most part. But there was a point, Ken. It was at about three minutes with the, uh, three minutes left in the second period. He went out and he was on the secondary power play. He had the puck. And I, you, we've heard the saying before, there's no such thing as a bad shot on net or get the puck to the net and good things happen. There was no one in front of the net. There was an Ottawa defender there, and he floated a puck in on net, and it might as well have been a pass to the Ottawa Senators player. He grabbed it and instantly threw it down the ice. This is one of the areas where if you're Billy Hanela, if you're going to try and stay in the NHL, that's one of the positions you're trying to grab. You are trying to show that you are a guru on the power play and that you can bring a level. We've seen it from him before. We know it exists in him, but what we also know exists in him are these little brain cramps where he just throws out these plays and turns the puck over. And that's what I saw in this situation. And if you are the second secondary power play tonight who went out there and, you know, didn't get much of an opportunity because that first power play is so stacked, I think it's hard not to be a little bit frustrated when you've got a player who goes out there and you get one of your opportunities and he gives such an easy turnover in that situation. That's one I thought that counted against him tonight. So to me, what Billy Hanlon needs to prove, he said what he needed to prove is consistency. Rick Bonus really didn't want to dig too much into it. I think he wants to keep that information between him and Billy Hanlon. It's one of the things that he'll tell you what he'll tell you until he won't tell you what he doesn't want to tell you, and that's one of the things he doesn't want to tell you. But I would say that one of the things that Billy Hanlon needs to stop doing is those easy giveaways that I feel like are just brain cramps where he just floats a puck somewhere and either tries a lazy pass that gets turned over or, in that case, a lazy shot on net that is not a shot. It's a turnover in that situation just forces all five of those players to head back down the ice and reload and come back. Those are the kind of plays he needs to root out of his game. And I'll tell you this, Ken, in comparison, I take a look at where Dylan Sandberg is now, and this only makes sense, but he is fully, fully submerged in the NHL game. What I saw between the two of them tonight was one person that is much further along, and it makes sense that he is, but much further along on the NHL road. Billy Hanla, to me, has a ways to go. And I take a look at that game, and I'm not saying he's not going to get another one, but he's not playing the kind of hockey that has him locked into this lineup, and how do we take this guy out? Yeah, one quick thing that I did like about Hanel's game, he did a nice job on the D-to-D passes in the offensive zone, especially early on to Dylan Sandberg. He created a couple of lanes for him. His ability to look off his opponent uh, is something that we saw in the preseason when he was running the first power play uh, in one of the games where Josh Morris he wasn't playing. So that element I did see, but I thought he was fine. Like I said, there's room, plenty of room for improvement. And, I mean, of course Sandberg's going to be ahead of them. He's He's... He's had a lot more time and a lot longer run, which goes back to the point. I mean, Sandberg had to earn it, but he was given a stretch of games before he was getting comfortable. He was taken out of the lineup between that time, but now he's had himself a nice, wrong, long run of games, and that's, I think, what we are going to see from Hanel as long as he plays well enough. If he doesn't play well enough, it's not going to matter because then Kyle Capabianca will be in. So 
but anyways, I, I think that he did. This is the thing. If you thought he was going to be the best player on the ice, I mean, you're not paying attention. I mean, yeah. the guy hasn't played. So uh, I think him kind of you know, dipping your toe. Today was dipping your toe in the water, Sean. Yes, but agreed. on the weekend, you're going to need a cannonball. You need. I'm not saying he needs to go end to end, but make an impact doing the things that you are good at. That's what Rick Bonus wants to see from him, and that's what Billy Hanel is going to have to show in order for Scott Arneal to keep throwing him over the boards. He had a regular shift today. The best news for the Jets and for Billy Hanel, he was able to play almost 16 minutes. So that's a good start for him. But in order to become a guy that he's going to be counted on when players are healthy, he's going to have to show more. Those are the facts. I mean, that's the, you know, this is a guy that has a ceiling. That is pretty high. So, you know, start showing some of that ceiling. But you're going to need more time to, to to see that than, you know, one game in basically three weeks' time. So Totally uh, agree. Think, totally agree. And it's a big uh, test coming up. Boston, you know, Rick Bonus touched on it too. Carolina is one of the best four-checking teams in the NHL. That was his first game. Well, guess what? The Boston Bruins are also one of the best and most efficient four-checking teams. Uh, yeah, and I mean, that's a great point. I mean, is Billy Hanley going to become Eric Brandstrom? I mean, that's up to Hanley. I mean, Eric yeah. Brandstrom was a high, high-end prospect yes. at the time he was traded for Mark Stone. It hasn't high. translated into and success. And higher than Billy Hanley. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those two guys were both dominant at the World Junior. But, like, Brandstrom was one of the best defensemen in the entire tournament yes. uh, when he was there playing for Sweden. So, yeah, I think it a lot of times people think that that success is going to translate. Uh, and it still and, might. And, and, and exactly, like the point that was made here about, uh, uh, about the ceiling, here's the, here's the thing. You've got to establish the foundation before sure. you can start thinking about the ceiling. And that's the problem. Sure. Is like, I, I, that's not the way you think. I think that's upside-down thinking. If you're thinking about like, the ceiling of what a player is, uh, you know, I mean, that's what guys get drafted on, and that's why Billy Hanel is, uh, uh, you know, a first-round player. But the reason he's not in the NHL right now is because he hasn't established the foundation to stay in the NHL at this point. So that that's where he's at at that take. Uh, you know what? We have to talk about David Riddick before we shut this down. Sure. We could talk about Morrissey, but I mean, let's be honest, we're going to have tons of time to talk about we Morrissey are. because he's just going to keep doing it. We should end on Big Save Day. Before we do that, I wanted to give a shout-out to our camera guy, Colin, who did a real good job by getting us these presents for our offices on the way home. Right. I don't know if you've seen these things before. You got one of these too, Ken. Is uh, is It's like a little mini marquee that you can put messages on. Uh, Ken, I know you give him a hard time, but but Colin's a great guy. Oh. Uh, and uh, You give him a hard and, time. Don't be, don't oh, be, come throwing, on. Don't be driving over me about? with your cold takes, T-Wells. No, no, right there. no. And here, you know what? I, oh, this is weird. Um Maybe he got these used. I don't know. Did, did yours come blank? I, I know what's going on here. Somewhere else, but are they not letters somewhere else? Are they? Well, all I know is it looks like someone had this before. But here, anyways, this is what it looks like, people. Um, you got the uh, you got these here, uh, and there's messages on there. I don't know. Maybe a Kenny and Rennie fan had this before, but uh, oh, man. you see how it works. You put the message in, it lights up. Yeah, uh, this thing's pretty self-explanatory on this day. But thank you to Colin. Sean, you're He's working awesome really guy. hard on becoming the best heel in uh, in, in, <laughs> in Manitoba. 
I think I think impressive. I'm de- I think I'm defending you are an Oh, you're this, defending this, me. This is the, <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm defending the people of Kenny and Rennie's chat room oh, who sometimes yeah. are are showered down an ice cold shower with some of your takes. Buddy, uh, you're you're just I'm lucky just we're not a TCB and your headphones aren't in. That's all I gotta say to you. <laughs> Chris, Chris, <laughs> Chris. I, I, I showed Colin that earlier on. I was like, I can't wait to show this off. This is gonna be good. Okay, okay get out of the way. I gotta talk about Riddick. Okay, okay right on. I gotta it's talk about Riddick. Riddick was awesome. Thirty-five saves, really good early in the first period where the Jets were, uh, you know, outshot heavily, sixteen to ten. Um, you know, I, I, there weren't a ton of high dangers according to the folks at Natural Statric, but there were enough tough state, tough saves that needed to be made. And I thought that David Riddick was solid. Um, he's been very athletic. Um, we know he's motivated, Sean. We we know this. And I know that he gave a, you know, you weren't in there, but I asked him and I didn't expect him to, to kind of go out. But for folks who have forgotten, Sean, in 2020, David Riddick was an all-star for the Calgary Flames. But David Riddick lost the starting job to Cam Talbot when the bubble playoffs began against the Winnipeg Jets. So even if you're friends and you've had a great relationship and David touched on the relationship and he even said he felt badly that Talbot gave up five tonight. But deep down, if you lose the job to the backup, you always want to beat the other guy when you face him. And I'm sure there will be an element of satisfaction for David David Riddick about being able to go head-to-head with, and even if it's just going head-to-head with one of your buddies, Sean, like you and I, when we go out on a Friday afternoon at River Heights and we're not on the same team, we're playing each other hard, right? I mean, it's part of the fun. That's That's why you play hockey. You play to win. You play to be competitive with your buddies. And I don't think for one, I, I don't think for one second that David Riddick didn't enjoy beating Cam Talbot. We know it's never head to head in terms of, you know, going at, you know, you're not playing Dave, Cam Talbot, you're playing the Ottawa Senators, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we get it. But you still want to beat the guy that you're going head to head and sitting across from. And tonight, David Riddick was clearly the better of the two goalies. And for a guy who has only played eight times out of 32 games, you know, David Riddick did an excellent job of making the saves he needed to make. And that's the thing, you know, when you're basically almost run out of the league, barely played, you need to be at your best. And David Riddick came to camp in great shape with a great attitude. And he is really, he's the latest goalie in a long line of people who benefit from being around Jets goalie coach Wade Flaherty. And if someone has an alternate take to that, that's a wake-up moment because Wade has done a great job. Yes, the player has to buy in and be receptive to the ideas. David Riddick has put in the work, but he's been open to the conversations with Wade Flaherty. He's been able to get him ready, and I think he deserves to be applauded for that. And I think that in a lot of ways, Sean, David Riddick is just getting started. It's also important to remember it's an eight-game sample size that is still very small in terms of the big picture. It can turn quickly for a backup goalie given the tough situations, but David Riddick has done everything that's been asked of him. I think he basically has had one bad period this season. There might be one or two leaky ones somewhere else, but the four goals against Vegas in tough situation, 
that was one bad period. Other than that, David Riddick's body of work has been impressive. He's up to five wins. What did Comrie have last year, Sean? Ten? Ten, five, ten, five, and one or something? Well, he, only played like, he only played, what, like 12 games or something? It was more like than that? that. But let's, let's uh, you fill a little bit of time, and I'll go check out the historical film statistics here. Well, you know, the one thing I'll say about, about uh, David Riddick is, and I think I've brought this up before, David was essentially... Uh, ten, five, and one. Sorry, I didn't have it right. Yeah. Didn't need to second-guess myself there. He, he was essentially led. It was led and known to him that there was a belief that he wouldn't be in the league anymore from within the league. Right. Um, and so I, I go back to this. I asked him during the training camp what he felt he needed to prove. And what he said he needed to prove is that he was still an NHL goaltender. That's what he came here to do. This is a guy who's scratching and clawing his way to try and stay in the league. And he came to a team that looked, you know, I mean, here, here we are. What are the Jets? They're, they're uh, 21, 10, and 1. Is that what they're at right now? I'm not sure what their record is. It's something around that. But I don't think there's a lot of people who, I remember my first, what was my first take? That the Jets were going to go 6, 3, and 1. Was that my take? And then they ended up going 6 and 4 or something like that. So it, I remember that take and people being, thinking it was ridiculously optimistic. And they outstripped that. And they've continued doing that since. So let's just call a spade a spade there's not a lot of people who saw this this level of success coming from the winnipeg jets a lot of people thought that they were going to struggle david riddick came here taking a chance to stay on a team that a lot of people didn't think was going to do a lot but he's come here he knew about the amount of time that he was going to play i think he's walked into a really great situation with a coach who who took a look around and said like listen you're fighting to stay in the league but i need you I need you. And he said that right off the bat. We need him to come in and be part of this team. And we need him as our backup goaltender to be a 500 goaltender. Well, he's delivered. Like so many players on this team have Rick Bonus said, this is where I see you being. I believe you can be that. And let's get there. You're going to need to be that. I, I need you to be that if this team is going to succeed. And David Riddick has been what Rick Bonus thought he could be and needed him to be. Like so many other players have been what Rick Bonus thought they could be and have needed them to be. Just add him in to hitting all the marks that his coach has been asking of him. Uh, he stands out because he's in net for, for those situations. But listen, we've seen it on this show, Ken. On nights where he lost, people will come out and they'll just absolutely attack the guy, right? It'll happen in our chat room. It'll happen all over the place. People were ready to sewer David Riddick and every single mistake he made. He knows that. He's felt it. It happened with, with people within the league who told him he wasn't good enough. And this, this is a guy who, knowing that would happen, has gone out and got the results. Give him the credit. Talked about this earlier on. Every single player on the Winnipeg Jets has a piece of their success. And David Riddick, no doubt, has taken his piece and added it to the puzzle. That's a pretty filled, fine-looking puzzle so far this season. Yeah, and last one on that say, front, too. I, I, David Riddick was not the Jets' first choice to be the backup this year. He was not their second choice. Um, but you know what? On. That doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter to David Riddick. And it doesn't matter to Wade Flaherty. Uh, those guys found a relationship and they're building on that relationship. And to this point, 
David Riddick has done exactly what is asked of him. He has provided the Jets with a chance to win essentially every single night he has been between the pipes. That hasn't been a lot of nights. He's going to need to be getting close to 20 appearances by the time this season is over to help Connor Hellebuck be fresh and ready for the playoffs. But David Riddick is doing exactly what's been asked of him. And for, there's a lot of people who were unsure uh, that would be happening. And David Riddick deserves credit for that. And now it's up to David Riddick to show that this isn't just a small sample size situation, that he can be, you know, a more than capable backup and a guy that can get the Jets somewhere around the 10 wins uh, because that's, you know, basically what they were looking for from him. And he's, you know, so far on his way towards doing that. He's going to have to keep it up. But uh, I've been impressed by, you know, the other part, <laughs> the other part about David Riddick is he's he fits with this group. He has energy. He's a funny guy. He's fit in very well. I mean, he's not as positive as a Nate Schmidt, maybe in terms of his smiling all the time, but he's having fun all the time. He's shooting pucks at at the you know open camera hole during the morning skate, um, you know things like that. He's always chirping in the background of interviews based on where he's is in the room. Uh, he's a guy that his teammates not only have confidence in when he's between the pipes, but they enjoy being around him. Uh, he's an intense guy, and he's fit in very well with this group, and that and that's that's part of the deal. I mean, and fitting in and having a good relationship with the starting goalie, those things are part of the deal when you're coming to a new situation. He was highly motivated to succeed. So far, he's done an excellent job. But this isn't a guy who knows he can rest on his laurels after eight starts. He knows this is something that is a constant battle. Once you get into the battle of having to fight to stay in the league, that doesn't go away uh, after eight games. And I don't think that David Riddick has played his best hockey. And that's not because he hasn't played well to date. I think he'll continue to improve as the season goes along. Okay. Uh, before we do go, I want to bring a couple things here. Dylan M says, question, if by chance the Jets can get Dubois signed to an eight-year extension, I would suspect that there may not be money to sign Shifley again. Thoughts? This is a great question. We don't have time for it. So, Dylan, come back and make sure you ask this again. I want to handle this. We just don't have time to do it. J.B. Brown says, don't forget, guys, when Maurice first got here, you thought he was the Messiah. Wait until Bonus has been here that long. Hmm. This is a lazy take, and it was one that I made a little while ago when you were throwing an umbrella statement around the media. If you want to know my thoughts on this, you can go back to before Paul Maurice was hired. You can ask people who were in the CBC newsroom where I was working at the time, and you can ask Mitch Peacock, a good friend of ours who's been on this show before. Mitch Peacock and I had an epic argument (laughs) about me saying they don't need Paul Maurice they need Barry Trotz, and that's the guy that she they should be going for. Now, I know we didn't get Barry Trotz, and we don't necessarily know what this team would look like with him, but I've said this before. I think Rick Bonus and Barry Trotz are from very similar schools and would have approached this very similar ways. Uh, so you, J.B. Brown, suggesting that I was all about uh, and even close to referring to Paul Marys as a messiah means you haven't been paying attention my friend uh so finally let's get out it was of still here. a smart hire at the time listen he had a 114 point season you don't just accidentally have a 114 point season no matter what kind of talent the team has i mean well and, and i've said this before the success that the winnipeg jets are having right now um uh 
is the like there's a piece of this like i think that what you saw tonight about the jets being able to come out and get a goal in, in two shots and then get another one after that what you saw from the first period and the jets coming out 3-1 is paul maurice instincts right like th- their ability to do that and, and my take has always been that that ability drives up in the playoffs so they need to find a different way but very few teams can do that and the winnipeg jets can do that far more often than most teams that's my take on it and that's paul maurice right so the dangerous the quick strike ability the opportunism that the winnipeg jets are able to show which i think if they do something and go deep in the playoffs it's going to rear its head and help them out at some point that's a paul maurice thing I just I, I take exception to the whole thing about like this suggestion that you're saying myself and Ken and everyone was just wowed by Paul Maurice. That's a lazy take. Uh, you, you you can go through the media and get the takes of every single different player. And if you want to attack, you know, sorry, I shouldn't say attack, but if you want to call out myself or Ken on something we've done in the past, call us out on something we've said, not on something that you are assigning us to have had as having said when we've never said anything like that. There was one thing. Oh, the last thing I wanted to say, we had so much fun at that party. I started with it. I just wanted to say with that party behind us, we can start concentrating on the next party. That's going to be on January 21st. It's a Saturday, which changes things up, makes it a little bit different. Uh, the tap room is going to be open, so there's going to be a, a little bit more space to move around. Um, if you're interested in going, why don't you direct message me at, at SN Sean Reynolds? And I'll just tell you this, before we even got started Ken, I tallied up all the spots. People have been sending me no- notes asking me to serve a spot. We're already half filled for the next party. So please, if you're interested in coming, there was a lot of people after the room was uh, uh, closed up last time that got a hold of me trying to get in there. If you want to get in, there's no time like the present. If you know that you can come and if you want to come on the 21st, we'd love to see you. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. I will reserve a spot for you and we'll take care of it uh, that way going forward. Uh, Ken, you did a phenomenal job here tonight. The chat room on fire as always. People are going nuts with the lamplighters and signing up for that. Great job with that. Uh, and I'll end this show like I usually do, talking about our sponsors. If you appreciate the conversation, someone had a great line about the work that we're doing, the work that Winnipeg Sports Talk is doing, and the Illegal Curve guys. I take a lot of pride in us and our brothers and the, the coverage that we are bringing to this space. If you appreciate conversations that you are having with us in this space please appreciate our sponsors who make those conversations happen for us that's vittorio rossi trans canada brewing company the johnson group lou ferlin and Homefield. uh really appreciate them uh and all they've done for us thank you so much for that thank you for tuning in two more games before christmas i should throw this out there but we're going to be watching with bated breath uh that game uh thursday not only between Indeed. the jets and boston but i'm going to be watching the game between the washington capitals and the ottawa centers because if alex ovechkin scores two goals in that game he will break gordy howe's record and i can stay home for christmas if he doesn't i'm hopping on a plane friday morning and heading down to cover the jets and the washington capitals just in case ovechkin breaks the record on that one we'll be traveling home on uh uh, on Christmas Eve. So I'll be watching that. But what I hope more than anything is that on Thursday night, after the Jets play the Boston Bruins in a big heavy weight tilt, I hope to, that you're right here talking with us about it after the game. Looking forward to seeing you then. Bye, everybody.